JQ, what's up? You are Hello. live from. Am I? Yeah, you're live from Neo's studio in Italy yeah, somewhere. There. there we are. Oh my gosh. Does the camera work? Yes, the camera works. So you Should are it? where right now? Yeah, I'm not drinking because it's 8.26 in the morning here when we're recording this. Okay. Tell everybody where you're to. I am in Pistoia, Italy. You look very disorientated. Yeah, I don't know what, what's green and where to look. I think it's all from the world's banquet. You're still suffering from that. I heard. I heard a rumor. Uh-oh. I don't remember very much, but... I spoke with actually Max from S-Works. Yes. And he said that I played an Italy's national anthem because they didn't have it. Is that true? I believe so. You definitely played a lot of music. <laughs> so maybe I made a, made the banquet a bit better. Yes, you did. You did. You made it fun. Uh, we have plenty of video of it, and you definitely were the life of the party. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. But you know what? Uh, let's go. You're giving me a time limit. People say it's one hour, but we're going to go for an hour and a half. He just doesn't know that. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's try. Did you even see my world's intro from any of my videos? No, no. I haven't seen anything. You did it. Yeah, of course you did it because you just didn't pay attention to anything that I did. So here you go. You, you, well, sorry. You did pay attention to anything bad that I did and let me know. But uh, here's the, the intro. <laughs> you like that? The first time you that. saw that. Danny, Danny, Danny Paz made that. Danny Paz made okay, that. Cool. Thank you, Danny, for that. I thought it was pretty cool. People liked it. It was short. Anyway, guys, this is episode number 207. I'm going to mute JQ because he's kind of next to a loud street. Uh, so what? this is episode number 207 of the No Name RC podcast. We have been home for about a week, or I've been home for about three or four days from the world. I just kind of recovered. JQ's in Italy somewhere. I don't know. I think he's going to the 10 scale worlds tomorrow, but we'll chime in on that. Uh, before I go on any further, I just want to say thank you to everybody that uh, supported us during this trip. It was great. It was awesome. And um, I just need to say my thank you. So thank you to all of the NNRC squad around the world. We can't do this without you guys. Thank you for all the help, the support, sharing our YouTube. And I'm almost at 3,000 3, subs, which is great. Thank you to the uh, patrons of the podcast. I know it was kind of lacking during the trip, but it was kind of hard to focus on everything as JQ's discovering something in the background there and uh thank you to all the patrons of the podcast we're gonna get back active there also thank you to the awesome sponsor of this podcast that make everything happen they are invisiblespeed.net tzo 200 tires tnr fuels high tech rc beach rc mayako techno rc papa willy's traction tonic g-spec rc tuning some padal usa racecraft usa rcgp house of rc and uh shout out to clinic rc as well and yeah, just everybody that supports us. Uh, David Ronnefalk, Alexander Hagberg, they're now at the 10 Scale Worlds, Jared Tiber and JTP. And uh, of course, just these companies that helped me get to this race were High Tech, RCGP, Invisible Speed, TZO, tire, TZO 200 Tires, and HRC. 
I want to say special thanks to those guys. They helped me get to this race. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have made it. So thank you to those companies. If you want to go spend some money at them and help us out and say you heard about it from the world's coverage, that really helps us out. All right. So with that said, we're going to bring JQ in because we have a lot to talk about. I'm sure lots of emotions to digest. I don't know what he's doing now. He's looking at something. He's figured something out. Yo, what are you looking at, dude? Watch results. Oh, okay. So what's up, Jake? You had a few days to digest it. Uh, I left you Monday morning. It was it was emotional. It was an emotional weekend. It was a long, dude. What a long race. Longest race, six days of RC. It was very long. That's all I have to say. I can't imagine the 10 days in Australia, how long that must have been. Um, yes, I think everyone agrees that the world is too long. Right. I mean, good top drivers, any drivers, like, it's just so tiring to do it for so long. And the frustrating thing is that there's no point to it either. And that's actually what I was doing right here. So if we have one day of practice or 10 days of practice, the same people are going to be in the same places. Okay. That's not going to change. That's why it's pointless to have so much practice. It, it was fundamentally long. does not change anything. Also, the track changes. So even though you have all that practice, you still don't really know what you're going to end up doing right. in qualifying and the mains and that because the track evolves. Yes. So I wish, I wish the International Federation of Men arranging retreats. Wow, you didn't even wait two minutes, um, yeah, 10 minutes I, to go wish, right to the deep, right to the throat. Listen, listen, okay? Yeah, let's wiggle up there and be very honest with you. Oh, man, I thought we were going to save this to the end of the podcast. No. I wish these old guys who want to go on holiday would organize the Worlds, get it over and done with in four days, for example, and then just stay longer on a holiday. There's no, the only reason I can think of having a long race like this is because someone enjoys to be away from home or away from their families or I don't know what, but no driver wants this. All right. right. It costs more in tires. It does. It does. It costs a lot more money. Everything. You have to miss more work. Everything is more expensive and harder for no benefit. I definitely think it could have been done in four days. If people want to stay long, then stay longer. Stay after the race and drive on the track. But don't force everyone to be there for a week. So You've been holding in this rant for a few days, haven't you? Yeah, I'm tired of this old <laughs> ruining everything. Oh, I'm going to have to edit that. All right. I'm going to have to edit <laughs> that. Let me mark that. Leave, Eight minutes, that 20 in. seconds. <laughs> Eight minutes, in. 20 seconds. Edit JQ. All right. Yeah. Leave. That- I'm tired of this old <laughs> and then bleep it and then continue. All right. That's how I truly honestly feel. Okay, so let's we got that negative part out right off the bat. Let's let's okay. just sweep that to the side. Let's get okay. back and focus into the positivity of this race. Uh yeah. I just kind of wanted to say thank you to the Baldo family. They made a great facility. The the track is awesome. I can't imagine the amount of money, time, effort that went into making this facility because it's extremely huge. The traction uh, the the I can't I can't even explain until you've actually been and walked the track and see the elevation and how hard it, how high it is and how difficult these sections are. You just can't imagine it. The pit is yeah, at the, the very best spot to be. Sorry. Yeah. 
you know, and the only thing I could gripe about is like the driver stand and everything is very tight, like looking down. So maybe that could have been a little bit further, but Why? that's my, uh, at, huh? Why? So it's even, even further away from the back of the track. No, 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 no. It's just, it's just like kind of straight up and down. Uh, but from my experience, but you guys would know, I heard a few right, drivers talk. See your, your belly is in the way. Yeah, that too. But I heard a few slimmer oh, no. drivers talk about that as well. Um, but the price, the press box where we were was great. Uh, I know you didn't believe I was climbing up and on that ladder all week, but I did. And uh, with great success, also carrying like my lemonade in my mouth and not spilling a drop, not dropping my cameras, anything like that. Uh, and then they made that whole like little city with the, the containers and um, the food hut where the banquet was. And then they had the other beer garden out there. I thought that was all well thought out. Well done. Uh, lots of parking. I, I was surprised that I was, I was shocked you didn't take advantage of this, but I'm, I'm, I also understand because the pits were really nice <laughs> uh, where you guys were. But like X-Ray, Mugen, uh, Kyosho, and those teams, they had their own, S-Works, they had their own pits set up. I'm shocked you didn't do that. It was hot out there, though. That's the thing. It was dusty and hot and no breeze. And at least where you guys were, you could see the track. Like best place yeah. to be. Where you can see the yeah. track, you get some breeze. Uh, the Americans, unfortunately, I have to say, I felt bad for them. They got the shittiest part of the pits. They got over in the corner on those homemade tables that were rickety rockety, and they had no breeze. So they had a they had a little legitimate gripe there. I would say so. I mean, Someone even Greg, yeah, Jake, you, you're I mean, Greg kind of sneaked over, and it was Team Sweden or Team Finland for the entire event. But yeah, I thought all of that was great. Uh, the amount of money, I can't fathom, like such a big facility, amount of money, everything's done right, how much money these people invested into this. And just into yeah. this world, you know what I mean? Ugh. It was uh, it was good. You know, it, it's hard for people because that's why I did a facility walk because you always think about the track. It's not just about the track, it's about the entire facility to be able to hold something like this. So... That uh, yeah. that's a good example of that. So congratulations to them. All right, let's talk. Oh, you know what? Before we go on any further, I do have to say some things. Thank you to Nick Damon for uh, an RC Racing TV for that. There, you know, giving me a chance to call the race with him. I enjoyed it, and thank you to everybody that showed NNRC some love. That was great too. And you know what? We have to actually we forgot to do this at the beginning of the podcast. But congratulations to Davide Angaro, back to back. First guy to do it, uh, yeah. you know, kind of the guy that deserved to win it all weekend. Let's be honest. He was the fastest. He, he deserved to win six it. six years now. Yeah, world champion for six years. Congratulations to him. Um, he Hey, I thought it was very boasty. He had the shirts made after that. Ooh, I've never I seen thought that, that was... Never seen that. I love that. That was some That was some boasty confidence right there, I would say. Well done to Angaro on that. Like, yeah, I don't think anybody else would have done that. But he had it. See, that's the type of confidence that he has. You know, when you have that type of confidence, yeah. you're going to do well. So and he never looked stressed the entire weekend. Like he knew I'm fast. I'm going to I'm going to win this. So congratulations to him. Like and no disputing his win this year. You know, no fucking uh, let's take his car in there and fucking extra scrutinize it and all that stuff. Like, yeah, he's he's legitimate. He's the first ever, first, second Italian to do it. Um, 
All right. Let's the talk first about back to back. First back to back. Yes. So the atmosphere. Day one when we got there, practice day. I remember coming up to you. I was buzzing. I was like, oh JQ, it's like so great. Like everybody's, you know, so excited to be there. Everybody's talking, everybody's hugging. Like the bears are flowing early, I think, day one practice. You know, it's like, wow, it's it people haven't seen each other for four years for wow, so four years roughly. You know what I mean? Since 2018. And you yeah. can definitely sense on that day how how the atmosphere was buzzing. Did you notice that as well? Yeah, I know. Well, fuck me. Nice. Are you not focused on whatever you're focusing on right there? Look at this guy here. Okay. I'm Jesus. back. Jesus, Jesus. Anyway, uh, I think it's just everybody taking the track in, having everybody being there. The first day is always one of the best days because everybody's full of energy. Everybody's having fun. I think Team Mexico was shooting tequila the first day as well. They were definitely on it. They had a couple of birthdays to celebrate while they were out there. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the track then, Joseph. Uh, what did you? What was your actual thoughts on the track? I know I think the surface was the big change for a lot of people from the warm-up. And then the surface changed, uh, changed throughout the, the entire event. But the actual things, the things that they changed about the track, did you like them? Like the actual, actual physical changes? I think that the layout change was really good. I, mm-hmm. I love the layout. It was the best layout they have had that I've driven on. So that was definitely positive. The surface, I was disappointed because it became this sort of very on-roady, smooth, you know the kind of weird traction where you have a you don't have grip and you have grip at the same time it's mm-hmm. like you, you're sliding but you have good forward bite you don't really want the grip roll but it's it's this like in you have this indirect feeling of you are sliding and then it grips I, it's hard it's hard to explain it's it's just this kind of strange traction that I never really liked, and that track hasn't really been that way at the races I have been there for. And I also expected that the track would be a bit more natural, so it would break up, there would be a bit of sharp edges, some dust, and then grip where there wasn't dust. And now that didn't happen. So sort of personally, if we think about Mayako's approach, we lost any advantage we thought we could have at this race, we lost because of how the surface was. Uh, so that for for me, like for us, was definitely a blow when we discovered how the track was going to be. But I mean, clearly we were still competitive. David did well. Alex would have done well, but flamed out. Uh, Roberts. Uh, brother who I, I think many people didn't realize that Robert uh, had, had a, a brother. brother. Yeah, Danny. Danny, but yeah, he raced. He did really well too. He bumped like three so, times, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think we did well in the end, but layout great. I was disappointed that it was, the surface was so sort of smooth and consistent and throughout the week and that sort of grip, I, I've never really been a fan of. So, just let's 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 
retract a little bit. So the surface was not like this during the warm up. I have seen this no. also like at the Neo race and at the Euros that they had previously that it was a lot more natural surface. It had some dust yeah. on it. It formed some holes. Yeah. So this was more like what you say how Barcelos was at the Euros then in the end. Yeah, but uh, less grip. Different and less Right. Grip. So the first day it uh it started to break up. Like, you know, on that that I think which was one of the hardest sections of the track. You couldn't really tell, but we was right in front of it where you jumped down that double downhill and you had hit on brakes and get that one eighty. So it broke up. And it got really dusty down there, and you would just see cars hit brakes and be like slide right down to the bottom of the hill because it's so steep. Uh, they kind of really sealed that the next few days, like mm-hmm. where they almost sealed that entire jump the high, by the end of the track. So I'm wondering also, it's kind of, I know they use some sort of dust suppressant to do this, okay. but I'm wondering if they went to like glue and yeah. w- water at the end of the, like, to seal those that parts. That was what the track was. They, they glued it. No, uh, but they said there was some dust suppressant. They said it wasn't glued. Really? Yes. So it was something different. And then I think, you know, when they were patching the tracks, it looked like, you know, especially that spot, because that's the spot I can see, you know, and it, yeah. like, went from just fixing that little small spot to, like, splashing the entire jump down to the bottom. And that stuff kind of went throughout that whole corner and just made it more traction. Yeah. So, I'm wondering if that was glue and water mix right there. Probably. And also another thing which is kind of interesting, when you make a track like that, it actually makes it, even though it looks like, okay, it's very consistent and it's just the same, it actually makes it not that way. Because when the surface is like this, there's a big difference in traction level and lap times uh, from morning to daytime to evening, is the sun on the track or not? Uh, and also, is there dust on the track or not? So, just as an example, um, uh, this, well, we can get into this, because this this has to do with that track. Uh, depending on which heat you were in, that determined heavily in qualifying what the chances are that you will do well. Yes, because of temperature, because of the heat. Yeah, so, for example, if you were in... This semi. Sort of the first... I'm talking about qualifying. Okay. If you were in the first groups of faster guys, so the slowest guys go first, groups one, two, three, or one, two, six, or whatever, and then from there on seven, eight, nine, ten, like, these are already good drivers, right? Right. And then the last, very last heats, like 11, 12, 13, 14. So if you are in those groups, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you are always driving after the slowest drivers, right? The worst drivers, basically. So they are going all over the place. They're going into the infield, bringing dust onto the track. Right. Uh, a lot of dust onto the track, by the way. Then as the heats get better, the drivers are better. They stay on line. They don't go in the infield. The track starts to get cleaner the line starts to get cleaner. And then when you get to the top heats, and particularly the very top heat, which is last, they have the best track every time. Because all the heats before that are really good. The drivers clean the track track. off. They clean the track off. And then the last heat, which is the fastest, has the best possible track in that round. Uh, Also, add to that, in the morning, 
the sun didn't hit the track till I don't know race five maybe four or five mm -hmm. so all of those heats that ran before the sun hit the track they had no chance because they were like one to two seconds slower a lap yeah uh, it made a big difference in the evening in the evening a same kind of thing but not as drastic happened so once the sun set enough and the temperature cooled enough the track was again slower so uh knowing this the way they rotate the heats is makes it very unfair because without even without the rotation the fastest heat is always after all the good drivers race so if you're a good driver and you're in one of the early fast mm -hmm, heats mm -hmm, you have a bad mm -hmm. track because the track is dusty okay every round but then the way they rotated it was that the heats around where i was uh so i was in nine so these heats drove in the morning before yes. the sun hit the track then in the daytime six hours later so that's like the one round you have a chance and then again in the evening late after the sun was already off and the temperature was uh, yep, yep yep so i agree with you the there second day of qualifying in that those groups it was basically impossible to have uh three of your top runs and and rank high with the other guys i'm not talking now for myself or about myself i'm just thinking like if i'm at the peak of my racing and i invest all this time and money and i go to the race and i want to do well and then they seed me in a heat like that i'm screwed yeah i get that you know i get so that if if this is another thing like if we want to take this seriously and we spend a whole week at the worlds and all of this then they have to think about these things and they have to they have to make this better if we're going to qualify like that then it's just not fair and it just makes it seem like being there for so long is a waste even bigger waste like they have to change how they rotate the heats. They have to change right. I get that because the heats you also. get cleaner. Because a lot of people may feel, oh, because this track is high traction and it's got this beautiful black line on it that it doesn't change, but it does, especially when it's had the sun baking on it. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> right now we're watching semi B, which meant after semi A, and this is noticeably slower than yeah. the semi A final, you know, and that's because yeah. the temp temperatures went down a little bit. Um, uh, I think just when that that track had a, like around, I think it just when it gets the sun baked in, it just gets faster somehow, some way. For me, that's what I noticed. It might be for the other guys, but this semi was so slow compared to the other one. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what happened in this semi was? Do you remember right before the start, like after the warm up, there was this huge sort of windstorm. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And it just blew all all the dust onto the track. So I think what happened because this happened in one of my qualifiers also. I think that there was a layer of dust on the track, and everyone did the start and went and just that how they expected their cars to drive was a bit different because it was loose in sections or. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe cleaner in other sections like the track just changed because of dust blowing on and off of it right right and then and it wind itself laps. yeah and uh, yeah it was still a bit windy in the beginning of the race also so that just threw everyone off because it was a chaotic start not just yeah. like one or two drivers like everyone was all over the place 
I remember and, that. Uh, even in even then, uh, a bit later in the race, the wind was affecting cars because on one lap, three guys crashed on the same double doing a front flip because the wind caught their car. Yes. Yes. So, oh, and especially affected yeah. out on that far back doubles out there. That's where it really hurt people. Let's go through some of the qualifying here. So Q1, we had uh, Angaro Coelho Canas, and that was on Wednesday, was it? Yeah, Wednesday, first thing in the morning. Yeah. Then Q2, I would say, ran off around midday, around just after lunch, because they didn't take any breaks. Uh, uh, was Fen Canas Angaro. So Fen kind of showed up, interrupted that, but Angaro still showing pace. Then Q3, the last one for Wednesday, was Angaro Fen Canas. So Angaro goes in overnight TQ. Fen should feel good. He's got a one and a two. And Kanas is Kanas has a, a, a one and a, a three and a two as well. So we see the Americans. Let me bring up uh qualifying from there as well. We see saw the Americans in Q2 find some speed with Fend. Was you surprised at this? Well, when I explained how the track was. Right. How it was sort of lower grip and sort of this slimy, slidey type mm-hmm. of traction. I n- knew that, like I said, any benefit we thought we would have at this race. Right. Because of how the good and stable the car is and it can handle high grip and changes in traction and inconsistent surface and edgy tracks. Like it's very good for that. Uh, when the track was sort of quote unquote easy, Everyone could just drive around. Mm-hmm. I felt that this really um, not favored the Americans, but that they wouldn't be at such a disadvantage. Right. So I thought that they would, they could be fast now. If it had been like I thought the track would be, like breaking up some sharp holes, edges, high grip where there wasn't dust, then I thought they would struggle. Right. How it was now, I thought, yeah, they, they'll figure it out. So I wasn't really too surprised to see uh, Fend as fast as he was. Mayfield getting on onto the pace, Tessman faster. For me, mm-hmm. I would say the only guy that surprised me was uh, Ogden. He was a lot faster than I expected. Yeah, he, I he would. Really well. I had Ogden in prior going into this. I said I thought he would do well just because he's had prior experience. In Europe and Spain, not at this track, yeah. but just in Europe through staying with, I don't know what that noise. So just in case people are wondering, JQ is somewhere where he can't control the noise. So we might hear some street festivals going by. But yeah, Ogden yeah. has had European experience. He's also had experience with RCGP. He was on the hot race tires, uh, but he was definitely good and uh, a pleasant surprise. And in my opinion, like a career saving a a final, you know, for him. Uh, <clears throat> so coming on Thursday, we had Kanas coming in because I was like, I was really, I really wanted to see a qualifying battle. So I was hoping that Angara would not win this. And then Kanas came in, showed his pace and his speed. And it was, he pipped Angara and then Fen third. And then Q5 was probably the more emotional one for me. I was super happy for Barkan. He uh, demolished, like, I think that was when the track was at its best. Like he just utterly... Yeah. I think he got like a 10 16 for his his run after all. Totally demolished everybody. Great for Barkan. Uh the people like that's the other thing is we talk about Barkan and Borak and these drivers and people don't know who they are. Well, they know who they are now, you know, and 
It was good for the young 16-year-old. Yes, he's only 16, people. I know he looks like he's 21, 22 or older, but he's only 16. And that's a good thing. I was, I felt really good for the Killick family. They worked hard, you know, and it was good to see them. Not only TQ around, but both made the mains, which was great too. Like, hey, world, we're the Killick brothers. We are the dyad that are the Killick brothers. Hear us roar. Was you happy for him, JQ? Yeah, it was good. I mean, I knew knew they would be fast, but I didn't think he would uh, like welcome would take you around. I think with the fastest time of the event, also fastest of uh, the brothers, I would say at this event. You know, faster than Borak. Maybe because he doesn't take it as serious as Borak, I would say he's more relaxed about it. But uh, you see, he's more like, like Borak's a little older. And then Q6, we saw Angaro. I mean, it was pretty hard to beat him anyway. I think he had it already wrapped up. But Tasman showed up with some pace in second and then Kanas in third. So that thus ended, I think, a very interesting six rounds of qualifying. In that case, we didn't see Angaro run away with it. We saw some different uh, TQs. We saw people that yeah, didn't know. Yeah, but he kind of did run away with He it. did. I mean, yes. Three but... TQs, two seconds, and a third. That's pretty much domination. Of course it is. But, you know, he didn't win it like right off the bat. It actually had to go down to a Q4, Q5. It would have been, if he would have just went one, two, three, he would have been like, ah, oh, fuck. It really would have been nothing to watch the next day. But uh, kudos to the people that were able to to TQ and do things. It made it exciting, I thought. Uh, yeah. Some of the surprises out of that for me were Ogden, as you said. Johnny Skidmore, who qualified in the quarterfinals, but was able to bump up. So, he, you know, to see him get into play in the quarterfinals. Uh, Robert was fast during qualifying as well. And Boots. Robert and Boots were both fast during qualifying. Whereas, like, had this been a normal race or, like, DNC, they would have been in the final. Um, I would say that uh, Boots, Boots was also a bit of a positive surprise for me. I, I mean, yes, he, he won the Euros on this track. He's been fast on this track after mm-hmm. that also, but now the surface was different. You know, it wasn't quite the same as it's been before. And he was really fast in qualifying. He, he seems to be really four, good on his high five, grip six. tracks. I, I, I hesitate to call this like high grip. It's, okay. It, this is not sort of your... This is not what I think when I think high grip. We were still sliding, right? Okay. This is, I would say medium. Smooth, medium grip tracks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but this yeah. is not this he is not particularly good on this, I would say. If this was like uh it has been before with higher grip, it's mm-hmm. kind of track, I, I think he's better. You know, so for how the track was uh I think he did uh, surprisingly well based on his pace in the previous races. I mean four, five, six in qualifying, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunate for him he did not make the main though. But uh, I think he was a little, have to be a little bit disappointed about that being both of those guys being on such great pace and not making the main. But we'll talk about that yeah. in a minute. Uh, let's talk about some of the finals. So, uh, Cavallari bumped up from the quarterfinals to the semi, eighth finals to the semis, which was you know I thought he was going to do the Im- immaculate bump and get into the final just like in typical Cavallari style. I you know didn't that what, think so at any point because 
I said yeah, I would say did. more emotionals than than anything than than actual fact. Like he didn't have the speed. He did not. He did not. So, but I was just hoping that he would. You know, just hoping and hoping and praying that he would. And hoping just, is different to thinking it will happen. Yeah, yeah, of course. But you know, you gotta have faith, Jake. You gotta have faith. This this podcast is not about faith. <laughs> <laughs> but he did bump, and I thought maybe he would pull it off, but he didn't. All right, let's look at some of the other quarterfinals finals that we had here. Uh, who was you surprised to see up and straight directly into the semis, JQ? Uh, for qualifying, I mean, all of the names who are in there are names that don't surprise me. <laughs> You know, like I said, Ogden did better Navarro. than I expected. Uh, Boots did better than expected. Arlowski? Even though he didn't go straight into the semi, he was... Oh, he did. Sorry. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Arlowski just made it in, but I expected him to do well. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he was like one of the sort of the, a dark horse pick. What I would say that surprised me a bit was that Savoya and Lutz didn't. Uh, make the semis, or they, they weren't even really uh, that close to it, because in practice they were really fast. Yes, I would so, agree there. Yeah, so what I heard at the race was that they run Kyosho, but they also run AKA, and in the beginning, the AKA tire was really good, so Tebow, Savoya, and Lutz, they were all doing well. Ongana did well throughout the race. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then something changed to where their tires weren't as good anymore. That's what I heard. And uh, that's why they dropped off the pace. And But Ongaro at this point, no change, still the fastest. So they were like, okay, what the hell is going on? We're running the same tire, start off really good. We're on the pace. Savoya was like top 10, 8 or something like this. Like everything's good, even first qualifier good. And then after that, just boom, nothing. Can't stay on pace. So I don't know uh, what happened there. It's so strange. Yeah, because because Savo- Savoya and Lutz were both good. Yeah, if you look at uh, Savoya, who's good in practice, then first qualifier, he was eight. Then he was 36, 29, 30, and in the last two, uh, 21 and 20. Qualified 22nd. Uh, yeah. Tebow, he, he was seventh in the first one, then second, second one, uh, 12, 181, 17, 11, 22. So, clearly, yeah, he got a DNF. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Fucking listen. He had a seven, and then the best he could do after that was an 11. Yeah. In the fifth round. Uh, they went off. Why? Lutz, you... I don't know why. Lutz had a bad first one, but then they were all kind of 20, 27, 27, 30, 50. His first one was 54. So, I, I don't know. They, they were saying that something changed with the tires uh, or didn't change with the tires. The track changed and the tires weren't as good anymore. That's what I heard. Strange, strange. And then y'all kind of, what's y'all on, on hot race as well or pro line? I think he was on hot race. So Polito was the best Kyosho at the end of the day then. I don't know where he finished. Uh, Let's see. He wasn't the best in qualifying. Yeah, but he made the, uh, I believe he made the semis in the end. So, 
Uh, yeah, he was 18. So, yeah, he was the best Kyosha. Yeah, yeah. Little unknown Polito. What? Yeah, he did make the Euro finals in 2019 as well. All right. Uh, so, as a driver, when you, as a racer, so we, semifinal A was blazing fast. Like we already talked about that. We talked about how we thought maybe a cut of dust went on there. Uh, I mean, Ronald finished like fourth and he ended up having to start 11th. Like that's how much slower it was. Was you worried at, at some point throughout that, that semi that like Ronald might not make it at one point? Uh, yeah, uh, there was a point when he had been lost, like after the chaos. And to be fair, the chaos cost him a lot. It wasn't like he was driving bad and crashing himself. It was just that everything that could go wrong would go wrong. <laughs> Even pit stops, like two times another car was dropped on his car. He got sideways, caught in pit lane because of that. They marshaled the other car. His car is still there. Like These kind of things, right? So he just mm -hmm. kept on losing the time. And then on track, you know, someone would crash and he would just be there and end up uh, getting the worst the short end of the stick so at one point he had sort of made it back in okay it's a long way to fifth but at least he's now there and that's when i thought like if he makes a mistake now because he had once made it back then dropped back then he was back again then mm -hmm. then i thought if he makes a mistake now i think he's gonna miss the main but he didn't and then he drove well no issues to the end and he he bumped but yeah, that at that, that was that was sphincter really puckering. Well, it was. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to sort of imagine how I would finish off this trip if he didn't even make the main. <laughs> it would have been not good. Uh, Fend yeah. having to go to the LCQ. Any doubt that he would win that? I kind of thought he would just fend it and send it, and he did and won it. But yeah, he was just so much for faster. Him. So much faster that. Uh, yeah. There was no question in the end. But I forget what happened to him in his semi. I mean, same thing as for uh, everyone else. Just, you know, flying off the track. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. And he did set, he was in the LCQ was the first time we'd see a sub 50 second lap, I think, for the week. And he went 49-something. And he was on it, man. Fan is, like, when it comes to things like that, I I, I can't ever, like, knock him out of the that chance. He's good at yeah. those type of situations. Yeah. But here you see that the level at this race was pretty incredible. I, I yep. would say the highest level at the World Championship that I have seen because, yes, you have Fan. He's doing, like, the fastest laps at the race at this point. But he missed the main, and he made the main from the last chance. Mm -hmm. And and it was let's let's go and look at the semi-final results. But I believe it was just like with David, he ended up at the back, and then he just didn't make it, you know. And if in qualifying, if we look, uh, if I if I read out names like uh, Spencer Rivkin and Ryan Lutz, they're really good drivers, right? They mm -hmm. were thirtieth and thirty-first. Right. If I yeah. read out names like uh, uh, Jorna Hartland, Ryan Cavallari, Brian Baldo, Joe Bornhorst, 
if I read out those names, would you think that they are 35th to 38th? No, of course not. Right. Uh, if I read out Jared Wiggins, William Skidmore, Ryan Pavidis, uh, they are 46 to 48. Right? Becco, 52. Jackson Brunson, you always talk about Jackson Brunson, how good he is. Yep. 54th. Right on. Right on. Right? Spencer Eckert, 59th. B. Martin, 60th. You know, so you have good drivers. Tanner Denny, 70th. Yeah, he had a stinker. You know? Uh, I was actually 71st, it seems. Fee Long, 74. You know, Adam Drake, 78. So, the like the level from the, the very fast guys, okay, you separate, they separate themselves. And there's a small, like 10, 12 driver group also. But then after that, like 15 or let's say 20th, from 20th to 60th, I mean, Competitive. you could have a good run and be some 20 something, or you could be a bit off and be 49. Yeah, it was hard. It was or 59. hard. 59. Very <laughs> hard. Know? So, so yeah, the level at this race was just crazy. Incredible. Incredible. And I think uh, just because now people get to see kind of like this, the European level that we've been talking about, you know, as well. Now, that, I'm not to say that if this race was in America, that these same Euro guys would be as dominant. Of course, there would be some where the American guys would be as good or, or better as well. But there, there aren't that many. Yeah, exactly. I think that these Euro guys will come over and still be in the same spots they are in. You know, I hope we I hope we see that one time soon. We don't know if the world is going to go to Brazil or to America next in two years' time. But yeah, I would agree with you. The competition level was extremely high, and yeah, you just make a few mistakes and you could drop so high, so far down the ladder. I think um, that surprised Greg as well. Every day he's like, man. I had to have been a sub 100, nope, 118th or 108, you know. Uh, the yeah. level is just extremely high. And then you got to remember that this track was difficult for everybody. So good. It was amazing. When you see guys like Spencer Rifkin, Cavallari, Don so far, you're like, wow. These guys, Jackson Brunson's made almost every main in America in the last, this year. He's had some yeah. top five finishes. Now, I'm not saying that this is a bad world for him. I'm just saying, like, we're comparing that to those guys who've been racing all year. Yeah. Uh, okay, so going into the A final, I would say it was word not seeing some of these names. That's like in word not seeing Robert Badier, uh, no Jared Tebow, yeah, no well, Cavallari. Robert's defense, I have to say that he was going to make the name. I, yes. He was in the same semi as David. And he was, I think he was fifth and David was sixth at that point, but uh, it was look, or maybe he was fourth and fifth. Maybe he was actually fourth at that point. Uh, but it, it was definitely looking like David's going to catch and pass Robert and David's going to be fourth and then Robert's going to be fifth. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how it looked. And it seemed pretty safe that that's, that's going to happen. But then the last pit stop, his car flamed out because they were using one of those foam car stands to put the car on. For mm -hmm. refueling, um, because if you put it down on the wall of the pits, then another car could come and hit right, that. Right, take car. it out. So they raised it with that foam thing. But on the last pit stop, 
they put it down and the flywheel hit the corner of it, bending uh. out the engine. So that's why he lost uh, the bump. And he came back and he missed the bump by like five seconds. So oh, he must have been devastated. Yeah. So with a flame out, he just missed the bump in sixth place. So that, yeah, Boots would be upset at not making this as well. If you would have told me that Johnny Skidmore would have been in this and not Elia Boots, I would have been like, no way. Even though I thought yeah. Elliot, I thought Skidmore can make the semis, I didn't have him in this. But Boots kind of, you know, fast all weekend and doesn't make it. That's heartbreaking for him. Uh, but I think other than, than Skidmore... Cole Ogden, I, I was happy for him. Like it was great to see him do well because his character also has really gotten into his character as well, which makes it exciting. And he done well, like, and it was good to see. And it was good for him and his career as well. Um all, all these other guys, I'm not really surprised. Maybe surprised not to see, like I said, a Tebow, maybe a Cavallari, uh Badier. I would have liked to have seen Fuller her as well, but not a big, not a big like him not making the A main is not a big deal. He has plenty of A mains in front of him. He has plenty of worlds ahead of him. Sorry. So those type of surprises. But otherwise, that out of the normal, out of the abnormal, Johnny Skidmore stands out the most. And I have to give them credit, man. They done well. They put themselves in position, and <clears throat> they made an A final at a worlds. That's a damn yeah. good accomplishment. So congratulations to Skidmore and his family. I'm sure they are well chuffed about that. Uh. Let's talk about the final because, dude, I was so freaking nervous up there calling that race. Well, not calling, just watching it from there and just trying to make sure, you know, Nick was doing all the calling, which is great because I was too nervous to call much of it. Where was you watching it from? I was like at the start of the pit lane. Uh, there was that container, so right in front of that container. Dude, so I, I was up the there. Pit entry. Dude, I was just rocking back and forth. I was watching, and he went, oh, man. So anyway, let's talk about that. Uh, started this race, one-hour final. Nobody called uh, a a 10 minutes. Uh, Nick goes, oh, if I was fan, I would call 10 minutes to rattle the competition. But nobody did. It got off. And wow, what a final it was. Um, you know, Angaro was fast right from the get-go. I thought at some point, like Kanas, like Kanas, I think it was Kanas, Tessman, maybe Mayfield kind of pulled away with him, but he kind of pulled away from those guys and a little bit, and they kind of had a battle between themselves. And I always thought at some point, like I was like, man, I think if Mayfield could get around these guys, he could probably hunt down Angaro because he looked like, you know, he wanted no. to get around them. That's what I thought, but <clears throat> I never okay. it looked like. I'll be honest with you. It looked like kind of Tessman was hurling up guys a little bit because it did take some people a long time to get around him. So he's making his car really wide. I'm watching. I think this is Tessman and Kanas right now. What was your thoughts on the start of the final, dude? What did you think? Did your heart, I know my I mean, heart I, was in my throat. Was watching, Garo, huh? I was just watching David, really. I mean, I saw a bit, but yeah, they just sort of settled down and I saw Ongaro was pulling away. And then I was just watching David's car. Did you think like that he was gonna come back at all and do this, or was you like, uh, well, it's, it's over? We made made some changes to the car for the main. I would have liked him already to do it for the semi, but 
he wanted to run it as it was. We have a because we can raise and lower the gearbox, we can also move the tower. And I wanted him to lower the tower all the way down and compensate by then raising the link on the tower, not raise the roll center. Because I felt that how the track was, and it seemed like the grip was going up mm -hmm. again for the main. So uh, I just thought that it would make the car automatically faster. And also, the rear would have a bit more support because I saw that he had that issue. And that change, I think, was really good for the main. And then uh, he also gambled on tire compound. So some other tire companies like uh, J Concepts, for example, they ran a clay compound. And that's when Mayfield did his fastest laps. And I think Jackson Brunson in his uh, lower main ran clay and did his fastest laps. So they were clearly working. And I can't remember if someone else also ran clay or some other tie brand. So anyway, that the word was out that clay compound seemed to work. So because David was at the back, basically he had nothing to lose. Uh, not changing anything, he wasn't going to have a chance to win. But if by some miracle, the clay compound would be awesome. Maybe there was a chance. So that's the gamble that uh, we took. We all agreed. Let's try it. He had the medium compound Sahara, Portrait Sahara, ready also. So, And I even told them that, OK, you're starting 11. So if, there's some, if something happens, for God's sake, don't miss the start. OK, just ask for a 10-minute delay. And uh, we even checked the rules that can you drive during a 10-minute delay? Because if you can, then it's very easy to test the tires. Uh, well, we didn't need it because like the first clear lap, clean lap he did was a low 50. I think it was a 51 something, but it wasn't a sort of 100% clean lap. So I knew, OK, the car looks good. Lap time seems to be good. He'll be fine. And after the race, he also said that he knew, like he just did some corners and he was like, OK. It's going to be good. Okay. So knowing that, I thought he could maybe finish third. So I was hoping for a podium. Uh, I didn't think he could win. Like when the main started, because you have to remember, Ongaro is like TQing every run. He's going to pull away. Mm -hmm. David's going to have to come through the pack. Even if the ties are good, he's going to be so far away that something has to go wrong for him to win. Like something has to go wrong for Ongaro, for David to win. So right, of right, it's right. possible, but I didn't think it would happen, right? Right. I thought the two guys are going to pull away and everyone else, he can beat them. He can beat them. Mm -hmm, That's what mm -hmm, I thought. Mm -hmm. And then when he got, like at the point where, I can't remember where we were, maybe about, let's see, maybe about halfway in the main. Uh, How about when you saw Angaro go short, maybe the first the first short pit 70, stop? What did you think? 25. That was good. Uh, it was good when I saw him go short. But here, so when when David got into fifth place, and we it was like third, maybe a third in 20 minutes in or 25 minutes in, that's when I thought for the first time that 
I think he can win. Because uh, Ongarov hadn't pulled away from everyone. Not not enough. Like, he wasn't mm-hmm. gone. Okay? The mm-hmm. other guys were still there. There was kind of a, a group of drivers. So it was Ongaro, and then I think it was Ganas. Yeah, Ganas was in second, and then it was Mayfield, and then Tesman. So Tesman was the next guy for Ronnefalk. And he took some time I, to get around him. Yeah, but how he was catching them, I just started thinking like, I think he can win. Like that's when I start started thinking that he could win just before halfway. And yeah, when he got behind Tesman, that's uh he lost quite a bit of time there, I would say, because his pace was fast and then he just couldn't get by. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of stuck for a bit. Then when he got by, there was a big gap, uh, like visually big gap to Mayfield, and he just reeled Mayfield in and got by. So, yeah, at that point, it was getting exciting if you were supporting uh, David. I yeah, don't know what yeah. they showed on the stream. I haven't watched the stream. But... Well, we're watching it right now. Um, I think I was like, and Ranafalk is coming. And I was kind of just watching him too. So yeah, I was being biased, but I was also watching the race to see if anything happened. And um, I was like, and Angaro made some small mistakes as well. And then I actually, my buddy goes, I think Ronafalk actually caught him too fast in the end. You know what I mean? And that kind of, or I don't know, maybe it looked like Angaro switched up his fuel and, and then kind of stretched it out longer to me. I could be wrong, <clears throat> but man, what an awesome drive, dude. I was so <laughs> nervous up there. I didn't, I thought he could win it. Like, I, I mean, that's amazing. He went from 11. And this is not, look, I'm not, we're not taking anything away from Ongaro. Like, Ongaro was fast. He was the fastest all weekend. He drove a great race. Uh, but I think why we're talking about this, because it made it exciting as well. Yeah. Because I think, I don't know if it was, tires wearing out and then or handling changing in the car because like Tessman faded mm-hmm. uh Kanas he just couldn't right uh, couldn't match Ongaro he couldn't really match Ongaro he was yeah he couldn't really put on a charge at any right. point Mayfield same thing uh Fen was so, charging Fen was the only one that was also charging yeah, as well I would say that if Ronnefalk and Fend had been there, you know, starting second or third mm-hmm. or something like that. The race would have looked different. Who knows how it would have ended? We don't know that. We never will. But uh, they definitely had more pace than those other mm-hmm. guys who were at the front, Gunnar Stesman and Mayfield, because they were there the whole time. And this, I mean, Ronnefalk and Fend, they <clears throat> caught up a lot mm-hmm. from far and passed them. So Fend didn't make it uh, as far as uh, Ronnefalk did because Ronnefalk at one point was leading the race. So yep. not only was he physically in front of uh, Ongaro, but he also had at one point one fuel stop and Ongaro had two. Yeah. So he was one pit ahead. And that's, that's the moment when I thought that, okay, now just keep on pushing. Like, for God's sake, don't realize what's happening. Just keep on going. And that's actually also when 
he then made a couple of mistakes on that mm -hmm. downhill double. So he lost he lost the pit stop right there with those mistakes. And uh, then when Ongara pitted, they were together again, but they had both one pit stop left. Yeah. David pits first. Ongara pits after David, and he's coming out the pits. David's going down the straight, and then he just yeah. David got excited. Get, yeah, he tried to get ahead <clears throat> of Ongara, which mm -hmm. was sort of a bit impatient, I think, at that point. But it's so small the difference between success and failure, you know. And yep, you know, the yep, racing yep. crashed, and that's what then ended up deciding the race finally. So for me, it was. I would agree with that. Yeah, an amazing drive to sort of mentally be able to stay focused, drive that pace, and sort of halfway through the main when you are so far away still, mm -hmm. but you can't afford to make any mistakes, and you have to push, and you have to catch the other cars, you have to get by them, to be able to do that and sustain that for so long, and then actually lead the race, that that was incredible. That, yeah, that to yeah. me, already... That's why it's such a weird feeling uh, that I've had <clears throat> ever since the race, because on one hand, I am really happy with like his drive and how the car was in the main and everything. Like It proved to me that it's possible. Look, he, yes, he almost yes. won. He almost won. And he, in the way he did it, like he had to catch every single driver, pass every single driver to be in the lead. And he did that. Okay, so that no one can say that the car wasn't good enough or car this or that or mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. not possible because you cannot do that against the best drivers in the world in a 60 minute main. You can't catch them and pass them like that. It's not possible if your car isn't working. Right. So. In that sense, I'm really happy. Right. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, uh, he didn't win. So it's like it was emotional. So close, so close, uh, but it's not a win. Yeah, I agree. I kind of <clears throat> had to go to answers and just pack my stuff up and catch myself too, because it was emotional for me too. So close. That's all I kept saying. So close. Yeah. And then um obviously there was emotions up in the pits. Uh what did you say to Runafog when you went up on the driver's stand because he kind of just bowed over and you went on and said something to him or you can't say that or whatever. Uh, well, I kind of figured I left right before the end because I, I sort of knew that, okay, I'm just going to win. So I knew that uh, it would be pretty a pretty tough moment right then. So I honestly can't remember what I said, but something, <clears throat> probably something positive about his drive and mm -hmm. that just something encouraging sort of yeah all right um and it was it was a very encouraging drive i i told you after this i said to him maybe not the result that you wanted but you won the hearts of many people uh that uh, the viking mayako invisible speed as a whole i think the whole team won rcgp as well uh myself rc racing tv very you know in that extent it was a win that way but yeah davide angaro who does win it in my opinion, he deserved to win it. I would love for David to win it, obviously, because he's my driver and I, you know. But I think the yeah. best man won the race and he made history. And we're not taken away from that. 
But yeah, Davide Angaru, the fastest guy there, wins it for the f- second time. First back-to-back champion. Uh, in that sense, very good for him. Very good for AE. Kind of brings um, that Italian pride back. Now it's always, it's still only it's two Italians that have, that have won it back that have won it twice. He yeah. etches his name in the. He's already etched his name in the history books, but definitely etches his name in the history books. Now yeah. world's official number one. And I think that uh, it's really <laughs> incredible to watch him drive because mm-hmm. the. He drives differently to anyone else, and he sets his car up different to anyone else. When other people try to drive his car, they always feel it's too loose and too hard to drive, and they can't do what he does because um, he's so precise with his inputs and mm-hmm. his, how he drives that he rotates the car by sliding the, the rear around the tight corners. and sort of a lot of the time as he's driving, there's this sort of tiny, tiny amount of uh, drift or slide Mm -hmm. to the car, right? So he's on the the very limit of traction. So he's he's sort of maximizing the available grip and finding the absolute limit of that and not going too far, not going over it. Because it's like this. Uh, actually, this race, he, in my opinion, he was he looked a lot more aggressive than before. Often he looks even slow, and the engine is rich, and it's just like he's flowing around the track. But here, you could see like he was more aggressive on the throttle, and he was like that section after the loop. He was jumping far, and <laughs> the level of aggression was higher. I think uh, the best way to describe this is because I was thinking the exact same thing. So that double corner, what I'm talking about where you jumped on, which I thought was probably one of the hardest part of tracks in front of the straightaway. So uh, during the final, I watched him and Ronafalk do that corner when they were racing. So you watch Ongaro jump and it's one fluid moment, moment, movement, and it's like drifting around that corner just a few inches off the, the, the very pipe you know, going around there as fast as possible and then setting his car up to go up through that chicane as fast as possible. Then I watch Ronafog do it and it's much more movement to get that. You know what I mean? So it's like he he would jump, hit brakes, go straight for a little bit, turn, then square up and go around that corner where Angaro was just like, and just like, just like his car would just stick and he'd just be, the the ass end would be out like that and he'd just be able to muscle it around there, finesse it around there, sorry, and set himself up. So that's what so, I saw. Yeah, my so if I can finish what I was saying. Oh, sorry. And you interrupted me. I thought you had was finished. That, no, you interrupted me mid-sentence. How is that finishing? <laughs> <laughs> so when I say aggressive, that he's aggressive, it's a very controlled aggression, right? So when he has the car at that edge of traction and he's sliding around the hairpin, as you say, when he accelerates out, He's not sort of fishtailing all around. It's, it's just like an arrow, straight as an arrow. But those movements, like those moments of turn, stop turning, drift a bit, like all of those movements are or were aggressive, but a controlled aggression. You look at other cars and other drivers like Barufolo, for example, he's aggressive, but it's like overly aggressive. 
yeah, he's still in control, but he's going over the limits of the car. Where Ongara, when he does it, he stays within the limit where he doesn't lose time uh, doing it. So it's it's really impressive to see. And I'm I'm just really curious to understand how they ended up like this. Like how did him and his dad and Verdi and whoever else was involved, how did they end up with this style of setup and driving? Like was it somehow by chance or was it uh, um, sort of intentional effort of we know that this is fast and we want to do this. That I'm, I would be really curious to know uh, how that happened. Maybe this is just what he grew up doing and they were able to harness it, you know? So maybe this is just his natural talent, but definitely super impressive oh, what he's able to do. Not, this is not about talent. Yes, he's very talented, but there are many very talented drivers out there, right? And they are not doing what Ongaro is doing. This is where you match the talent with uh, a particular a p- particular uh, way of driving and setup and matching them. And I don't think it's by chance. That's my point. And I would like to know Right, the, the theory they, behind how it. they yeah. ended up like this. Maybe that's something you would have to sit off if Morrow and discuss or very. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, man, good win for him. Uh, the, like I said, had the shirts made. It was so cool to see. Like, like I think everybody in Italy, like, was there and were hugging him, and of course, AE was excited for him. And um, yeah, it was a good feeling. You really check it. The top three guys we said that will be fast were top. Excuse me, we're top three. So we had Ongaro, Ranafalk, Kanas. I'm going to throw in a shameless plug her as well. Do you remember what I said before the Worlds? No, but I'm sure you're going to remind me. Yeah, I said the only drivers who can win are Ongaro and Ranafalk, unless they have problems. So if everyone has a perfect final and no problems, those are the only two drivers who can win. And I think that uh, that was a very accurate statement. Yeah, I mean, I never felt any at, at any point that I felt that Kanas could win this race. I didn't feel it. and um, But I did with Ronald But I also want to say something, a shameless plug. These guys also raced each other quite... If you really check it, they raced each other... Okay, so... Um, in Italy, RCGP. Okay, maybe not the stacked field that this, of course, not this has, but these same three drivers. Canas wins, dominant. You know, him and Ongaro have a, a bashing, like a complete 60-minute fight to the end. Then we went to the UK. Canas was fast again. Ronafog was super fast. Ongaro ends up winning because both guys have issues. Then we had the Euros, <clears throat> where these guys were considered to be the fastest guys. David wins that. So it's been an ebb and flow battle between these three guys this year. So, yeah. uh, and then, of course, Angaro. Uh, then Angaro won the warm-up, right? And then um, David, of course, Angaro wins this. So it's no surprise to see these three guys and top her. And I think Mayfield made a, made a statement saying, wow, we think we're going fast in the States, and then these guys just go faster, you know, or something like he says, you know, we, we think we're at this pace in the States, 
and these guys just step it up. You know, at this race, we think we're going fast, and then these guys just come out and find pace anywhere. And I think that's that's going to happen when you get this level of competition here. These guys are going to find that pe- that pace and qualifying and practice that maybe you're not finding uh, in other races because you got the best and the best racing here, and that's including the American best drivers as well, like Mayfield and these guys. So lots of good stuff. Um, let's talk. Anything you want to add about the final before we go and talk about some of the other stuff like tires that we talked about. We heard, you know, stuff like that. Any gossip, any complaints? Because I have one complaint that I need to talk about as well. But anything else before we move on from um, this final? Tires. Tires we could talk about because. Yeah, well, we're going to move on from this final, right? Yeah. All right. So we're moving on from this final. On to the the gossip. Yeah. Last thing I would say is that. Uh, if we look at the people in the final, okay, not really surprising. Maybe Skidmore, like you said, that that was impressive. Uh, could have been some other big names there instead of that. Uh, if we just have to sort of pick who makes the main. But uh, Coelho was a bit of, mm-hmm. uh, sort of underwhelming mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Uh, I think he posted a report where he said that you know, everything was good, and then the track changed for the main, and wasn't as good. Uh, so he would maybe be one of the guys who I expected to be right up there, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. The other guys are pretty much where I thought they would be. Uh, another guy who I I had picked as a potential sort of spoiler was Berton, Ricardo Berton, but he never really throughout the whole event. He never really featured, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, he, he made the main, he finished eighth, but I just thought that he would uh, would be better, you know. Yes. Yeah. Uh, before we go on yeah. to gossip and all that stuff, let's talk about the forty-five plus final real quick and the junior final. So we had Adrian Bertin that won the forty-five. I, I still don't understand why this was thirty minutes and the junior final wasn't, but um. Adrian Bertin. Because it's Ithmar and nothing makes sense. That's right. Why. So it should have been just two 20 minute finals and it would have been fine. So uh, Adrian Bertin wins this after a late, late, late race entry. Uh, yeah. And he wasn't supposed to race and he did. And Greg was really, he came third. I can't remember. Danny Vega came second. So like yeah. three legends and themselves coming there. And then in the junior final, we had a great race with Little Bump and Caden Fuller as well, which was good to see. And Little Bump actually won that. <clears throat> Just me. So we had, we had also we had the young European champion Marcus Karap. He uh, he was um, he was at this race too. Good to see that kid's gonna be special as well. <laughs> so I heard it was a, like a last lap battle for the world. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, it was. So it was a last lap battle between uh, Little Bump, Adrian Parente, which is Danielle's younger brother, I assume, Caden Fuller, who was just a little bit behind, and then uh, Marcus Karap came fourth. And the young kid from Poland who was made a splash on everything as well was Bartos Zalowiski, or Zalowiski's Bartos, who's making a splash as well. So congratulations to those young guys. Little Bump wanted to win the junior final. <clears throat> His dad was upset that I didn't write a blog about him. I'm I'm sorry, Little Bump, but we all know you're going to be great. So, you know, and it's good to see you doing the Nitro. He wasn't the youngest guy there. So 
Uh, apparently, the young HK Young, Hong Kong Young from Korea, was 11, born in December. But he was a giant 11. Wow, that kid was big. He must be okay. eating his vegetables over there in Korea. Uh, but congratulations to these young kids. I know some people are a little upset because it was only 15. They was like, well, it was 18 juniors. They should have had all 18. But yeah, good stuff to them. Good to see. Should have been 20 minutes. But they also have two junior finals, I think. Because Bracken was the top finishing junior overall. But so apparently they have the junior final race and then the junior that finishes top overall. Yeah. So we'll talk about that in a bit. So congratulations to those guys. We know the youth of the future and the old guys. They have the 40 plus euros going on this week. Weekend as well. Yeah. So that's good. Last last world it was 35 plus and I won it. Yeah. So uh, we're keeping that trend going. Old man class. Yeah. And, and you beat Greg Degani. So he owes you a thousand dollars. He does, but he's never going to pay that. He's already said it's parking fees for the van. So... Yeah, uh, let's get into a little bit of that. All right, so tire gate. So obviously, Cole Ogden kind of started this, and I saw a lot of people asking about this. What was up with tires? Were we seeing like the T Pro guys using hot race tires? Everyone was using hot race tires except the AKA guys, I think. And, uh, so you're saying everybody uh, that wasn't J, hot race, be, guys. even the J Concepts guys? No, they weren't. They, okay, they ran their clay compound and sort of good yeah, on but pace. They, to be honest, like I'm not surprised that the T Pro guys running different tires. I mean, they kind of have been. I think their contract allows them to do this, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So it's not a big deal. Uh, and this is always happens. We can go back to one famous article written by somebody who's on the stream who got him in a lot of trouble back in Neo 2017. Was it? Was it 2017? Nah, yeah. When he. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think. I think people are taking. You know, I mean, back then, Tasman was caught running J Concepts tires, and I think Proline had just issued a warning to everybody two weeks prior. But I think when it comes to like the S Works guys and T Pro guys running different tires, I think it's kind of in their contract that yeah. they can. But I, about tires, I think an interesting discussion would be that what if at the Euros and the Worlds, these big events, what if we had a controlled tire? I know you want to push this because it would it could potentially uh, cut down costs. It, it could potentially not only sort of cut down costs, make <clears throat> it easier for people to just attend the race and race, mm-hmm. but at the top, it will also make it closer in a way. So everyone will be focused on setting up their cars, which I would enjoy because then it's a focus on car setup. How do we make the most out of what we have now? We're all running the same tires. So work on car setup, work on driving. Um, that I think will uh, make the playing field more fair and even because like you could see now, change of tire, a second a lap. Uh, you can't make that up really any other way. if. You have a better tire that's a better tire like you are done if you don't have it so it becomes too much of a tire game mm-hmm. uh, you have to have access to everything uh and you have to pick the right tire and combat at the right time it's just it becomes a bit too much 
this is why they have tire and expensive on road, for example, because in on road, if they don't have it, then it got so ridiculous at one point where you had to you had to be rich or sponsored by rich sponsors and uh, you had to have a lot of time and people around you and knowledge to have any chance of winning because there were so many options and you had to have the best tires and yeah it's it was getting ridiculous so they made a tire rule and we are heading in that same direction because our tracks are like this if the tracks are more natural and they break up and it's dusty you can go fast with many different tires. When we have these tracks that are like on-road tracks, then the tire and the compound, the compound especially starts to matter too much, right? That's where you start seeing big differences between different tires. And if we want to run on tracks like this, then I think we need, uh, some kind of control tire rule for these big events. Otherwise, uh, the difficulty and the sort of logistics and expense of going to these races will be overwhelming for well for everyone really. So, I I am definitely in favor of having a a tire rule for these races. We'll see. We'll see if it happens. I understand why you want it. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about the DNFs. So this is another big topic. Uh, Cole Ogden, Jared Tebow, uh, Cavallari, I think, Tasman. Huh? What DNFs? Uh, DNFs for the cars being too wide. So it was a lot of... You mean disqualifications? Yeah, yeah, DNFs from various qualifying rounds or practice. Yeah, various qualifying rounds for not having um, DQs, sorry. Uh, yeah, DNF is, did not finish. I, I know, I know. I said it wrong. I know. Take it easy. Jesus. Uh, the DQs from various qualifying rounds. Your thoughts on this? We heard, we heard many. Maybe the the tools they were using weren't proper. Yeah, they well, should have been stainless steel. I'm not surprised like because uh, if Mar is not <laughs> a, an organization for running events, it's an organization for going on holiday. Okay. So when you go on holiday, you just want it to be long and relaxing, okay? You don't really care about, you know, racing specifics like being consistent or rules. You know, this you know, it's a headache. It ruins your holiday. So I'm not surprised at all. I mean, it's very simple. You can't have a fucking measuring device where the point is you put a car there and it's supposed to roll like. It is so stupid. You're measuring the width, not how well it rolls or how sticky the sidewall is. Right, right, time. right, right. It is such a stupid way to do the measurement. <laughs> not only that, apparently they had two boxes. So one where they roll the car and then, oh, it's stuck. Then they take another one to measure <laughs> again. So that is also stupid, especially if the boxes are the same size. And... We have raced the Mayako now in many different races, and we have to run a four mil hex in the front and add 0.6 shims to make it legal. Like if we right. run the five hex, it's right, it's like right on the limit. So it's a bit too risky. Right. So we just go, okay, let's put the narrower hex and shims, and that's then enough. 
So we know that we are on the limit on the front. At this race, we could run the five hexes, no problem. <laughs> so we're like, okay, let's just fucking run the car wider than any other race we've ever fucking been to. And then we hear other people are getting disqualified. So we can run our car wider than normal and other people are getting disqualified because their cars are too wide. So what we started doing is we just go tech the car before the race and then run it and then it's going to be okay after also. And I think just for safety's sake, we also went back to that formula hexes just just to be safe. I, I'm, I think so. I can't, I'm not 100% sure if David did that. Crazy. We had a few, few DNS for fuel as well. Uh, Valente yeah, well, being one of them. Fuel is a bit more straightforward. Like that, you you can mess it up, but if yeah, it's it's not as bad as the box situation. Yeah, the box was that's funny. More, that's more on the sort of driver. They they need to know their fuel tank capacity, and they need to know that it gets bigger when it's hot. Uh, Gord said he just started like getting his talent tires drive out in the dust and get the tires all dusty so it slid through their fat batter yeah some other people had dust in their sort of pit bags and brought, put dust on the side <laughs> of the tires to make it <laughs> so silly so alright uh, so we are talking about what I didn't like I have to say man um, oh wow I forgot go. I forgot all about that mistake that David made that was yeah that this was one of them where yeah it cost him that he did two there, and that's what cost the pit stop. Who was and that? Then, yeah. oh, they, they didn't shut down enough. Mayfield, I think. Mayfield, no. Ogden, no, maybe. maybe. Oh, maybe that was, was that the Ogden situation where <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, let's talk about wings before we get onto my final rant. So. Everybody was running. So obviously we've seen the beta wing be popular over in Europe uh, at the last RCGP races. It became super popular. Her that I didn't even realize that JC had released a wing very similar to it. And it's called the razor wing. The Mayako guys didn't run this. And did any of you guys try any of these wings at all throughout this race? No, uh, we have a good wing. It's called the wing of David. And that's what we run. <laughs> and actually a lot of people... Ran it like uh, Robert and Karnas Boots. Uh, a lot of people ran that wing. Oriente. Yeah. The wing so. of David. What's your thoughts on like JC coming out with almost? Was it an exact copy? Did you get a chance to look at it? I didn't even know it was a JC. So you didn't? Yeah. yeah they they bought out a wing called the Razor. Okay. So I what you saw? Like what? Uh, no, it looks just like whatever wing was that. The beta wing that everybody was running. Yeah. So yeah, it looks okay, just like that. Beta, yeah, it's just, like just that. I guess it's beta and uh, seismic guys run it. Okay, so seismic makes one as well. Okay, I didn't realize. No, that. I, it must be the beta that they run. They are saying, okay, uh, got you. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. But all the J Concepts guys that had one on were J Concepts wings. Okay. So. Uh, let's talk about some of the funny things. Let's talk about the security into, for this event. I have to say, I don't know was if that one, was funny. Yeah, it was funny the last day when Greg Degani had a juke and then he juked to the left and juked to the right and then ran up to the pits. On the last day of the race, they still weren't letting him in. And they actually it's called stupid. the cops on him. Like, this is one this problem is, I have with 
this is what I can I just before you get into it. Before you get into it, I kind of understand what you're going to rant about, and I kind of saw that in this trip. It's like they focus on one little thing, and then that just ruins it the whole thing. No, well, not really. It's about it's something about sort of common sense, and there are countries in this world where for whatever reason, cultural or educational, I don't know, there's a sort of a disconnect between common sense and authority and rules, regulations. And it just, things get complicated for no fucking reason, okay? If we think about this, okay, there's security at the World Championships. You have to have a pass. So Mm -hmm. you have a pass around your neck, you have a wristband, okay? Why do we have two? If you just have one, it's not enough, apparently. Uh, Why not just have the wristband? uh, Pass around the neck, you can give to anyone, which sort of uh, makes them useless. A wristband, you can't, can't share it, you just have it on. So that's the first thing. Okay, you have a wristband, yet it's somehow not enough. The reason for security is pretty clear, because otherwise just some random guy can walk in there and steal a bunch of shit, which also can happen in certain countries. So it makes sense to have security. But now we get to the sort of common sense part of the argument. (laughs) If your job is to act as security at an event, then you have to be able to apply your common sense and intelligence to certain situations because you know 100% sure when you have a racer, okay? Uh, Not maybe the first time you see them, but the fifth day or the sixth (laughs) or the seventh day, you have learned to identify who clearly belongs and who might not, okay? So when you have someone who you know that clearly belongs here and they just don't have one of the two required credentials, you can still let them in, okay? I know this is blowing people's minds now, but (laughs) the rule is you can only go in if you have a wristband and credentials around. And you have to go inside to get a wristband. Yeah, so if that's the rule, that's fine. I can respect that. But when you have someone who you know belongs and is allowed to go in, just let them the fuck in, okay? This Dude. is, this is <clears throat> the disconnect that I cannot understand. Right. Also, so, so not only that, but the whole way they did it sort of doesn't work because you have people, families, children, people who maybe have a friend or relative racing, or maybe they dis- just discovered this for the first time, mm-hmm. and you are turning them away mm-hmm. from, you know, enjoying RC, discovering RC, whatever it is. Like, at least have a system where people can easily get in and experience and learn about what this is. Like, exactly. How the hell can you have a world championship, right? And think it's so serious that you don't allow people to come and watch. Like you put them outside the fence 
in a stand where they can't really see much and they don't really get to mm -hmm. experience mm -hmm. what this is. They don't really get to speak to anyone. That to me is ridiculous. And it just continued the same thing with the banquet and banquet tickets. And it's like, we've been here all week and yep, yep, yep. I don't have my ticket right now. And you're not going to let me in. I've paid 30 euros. Come on. That's a joke. Uh, it didn't affect me because I just, uh, apparently, uh, I think <laughs> at that point I had just been downing tequila and I had this massive speaker. And so I walked and there was a massive line to go in. And I, I in my mind, I was just thinking that what the fuck I saw this happen. Just standing. Why is just everyone just standing here? And I just walked in. <laughs> I just walked in the tent. Like, I don't know. No one said anything. It was funny. Yeah. Uh, so let's get, let, I just want to talk about this because I had to reiterate. So I get there Sunday. Yeah. That's when things are starting Sunday or Saturday. Sorry. <clears throat> and I didn't get my pass the day before. So they wouldn't, I'm like trying to log Greg's stuff in. And it's like, Oh, you need a pass. I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, I need to go inside so I could get a pass. Oh, what are you here for? I said, well, I'm here as press and I need to get a pass. Well, why you didn't get it yesterday? I said, well, I wasn't here when they were giving them out yesterday. They said I could get it today. Oh, no, you got to wait till 8 o'clock. I look at my clock. It's like two minutes to 8. I'm like, well, it's almost 8 o'clock. He's like, yeah, but you need a pass. I'm like, well, the pass is inside. How am I going to get a pass? So finally, I get in and I get a pass. <clears throat> and then they want you to have one pass, like one wristband for the entire week for some reason. And then I see everybody's got a press pass and their mom and everybody's got something. Then on the day that it's happening, there's visitor passes all of a sudden. But mechanics can't get in. Like Axel couldn't get in. He had to jump the fence. And then the funniest was Greg. Last day on Sun on Saturday, he like the security guards would let him in. He juked to the left, juked to the right, and then he ran, literally ran up to the pits. And the cops came like six hours later. And the cops goes, Oh, why did you sneak in her or something like that? And he goes, Um Alicant I'm uh Redavon PD or something. And Greg started talking to him. But that was just too extreme. And then yeah. And then even at the banquet, when you walked in, it was like, it was, you made the party. Then we all went in. And then I saw people like who didn't have tickets just sitting out. And it was so long to the prize presentation, like Skidmore's family. These people just made the A-Main and they were just sitting out there waiting for it to happen. Like, let these people come in and have a good time. All these people paid all this money. You know, these guys paid all this money to enter this race. Like, let them enjoy themselves as well. But you definitely uh, were the life of the party at the banquet. If it wasn't for you, I don't think anybody would have enjoyed themselves. Then cool. It was fun. <clears throat> it was fun. RC nerds going wild. <clears throat> RC nerds going wild. It was a good event. Uh, I enjoyed myself. Uh, thank you to uh, everybody that tuned into the live. I think the live stream had, during the final, 6,000 people watching on oh, YouTube. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that part of it. For those who haven't known, it, haven't known, like on the RCGP side of things, I've been kind of calling races with Nick Damon. We're learning from him. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was fun, watching, dude. Uh, the stream here. And this, this was right, like when the race was decided. But I forgot how, how fast uh, David was able to catch David. Like that lap that he just did, it just mm -hmm. reeled him in. Yeah. Crazy. Man, that, so, that last five minutes would have been awesome. 
I know. Imagine so close. They would be racing side by side to the end. Oh shit. <laughs> So close, so close. I'm Dude, I had so much fun. I says I had so much fun. I, I suggest anybody, if you got a chance to go to a world, try and go to it. Uh, I met so many nice people. Uh, I got to like meet the guy Powell. He was I didn't even get one of his uh track things. I meant to get one. Uh just you know, meet people that I'm heard you guys talk about the worlds, the ceremonies were great. Team Mexico won that. They had Yuchi Kanai chugging tequila, that was cool. I was in like five different countries' pictures, I think. <laughs> well, that's you. You don't. You're a man of other country. So you're just. A, people were coming from all over the world to come. I mean, like Axel made the last minute decision to come over to this race. Uh, he came on Thursday. My buddy Axel from. He slept on our porch. He bought like a little thin mattress and was like, "Oh, you guys snore too much. I'm sleeping on the porch." And then Phil, I got to meet Phil, as well, and. Uh, He's agreed to come on the podcast. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk. But I said, like, dude, you have so much to talk about. We saw Neo Buggy reemerge. I know who's doing that. I'm not going to say who it is because we're not sure if it's going to happen or not. But they're kind of testing the waters. It was great, dude. It was fun. Like, I had such a good time. There's lemonades. There's lemonades saved the day. It was yeah. so hot. Okay, let's talk. It was hot, dude. You know what? I think after we kind of, I think it was after qualifying, we hung out a little bit that night. Dude, when I woke up, when I woke up, I went to the track the next morning. I was like, I can see why Max passed out her. It was hot. I had a puke first thing in the morning. Dude, it was so hot. And then uh, where we were standing, you had those fumes from that factory, that paint fumes wafting through. Oh, I just made you sick to your stomach. But uh, all in all, it was a great event, I think. We got to see why we need these events more, why we need to see these guys race more often. Yeah. Okay. But you know what? It was a great event. Uh, Baldos did a great job. Facility was awesome. Uh, the track was awesome, even though I'm not a fan of that surface. Right. Layout was great. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people love that kind of surface. So it's that's just an opinion. Everything was awesome. But I have to end on this note because it's important. Oh, God. We spent a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money. Uh, this was the single big goal, really, if we're honest. Uh, the World Championship, for many people, it's about this. It's like the AFPA World Championship. That's what I want. That's what we want. That's what all of this we do is for, okay? That is it. So we as an industry, we have to. This is like, I am so tired of this shit now, really. We have to force some change and improvement. Mm -hmm. Because this was a glorified club race in too many ways. Okay? With, yes, okay, the tech inspection and all of that, fine. Uh, but, like, Where's the sort of respect for the heritage of the championship, you know, that they always love to talk about in those federations, like how important they are and how important this is and the history and all of that. Like, where is that? Because I didn't see any of it. What were those shitty plastic bowling trophies? Like, what was that? Where was the press conferences? Where was the show? What made this 
special. Why was this special? Uh, it was all missing, in my opinion. That, like, if you want to put on a, an event that this is the greatest thing ever, ever, make it the greatest thing ever. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that this is Baldo's job because it isn't. Right, Baldo I know what provided, you're saying. It's the federation Baldo job. Provided a track, pits, tents, facilities. What if Mar should do is come over and make it a world, yeah. make it special, make it like we feel like, man, this is so cool. In the past, uh, one uh, great thing has been that at banquets, every single person gets a fucking trophy or like a thing. But the good thing about it is like last place guy, some guy from, I don't know, Kuwait, okay? Everyone fucking starts clapping, and he goes up, and there's a picture, and everyone's cheering, right? Mm -hmm. He was he got last. Okay, next to last guy. Like you go through every single one. I promise you that when people experience that, they will remember it forever, because it's everyone is there, champion is there, everyone's there, and everyone's watching you go up and get your prize, right? It's small things like that that matter. Having a press conference where top three from qualifying sit down it looks professional you you ask them questions they tell tell you about what's going on you get some pictures taken that's good for the driver the brand and the hobby the sport everything press conference after the race like all of these things they matter and if you're a world championship you should do that and that's what ifmar should do because yeah i agree they, with you they are no... in charge of the world championships so Baldo provides everything. Ifma comes in and adds the finishing touches. That's oh, I want to add. I want people to know that Ifmar doesn't. So I, I don't know how the pay split is, but I know that they don't pay much to the actual facility to do this. They get some of the entries. They didn't. Ifmar didn't pay towards any of the coverage to be there as well. So there's a lot I of paid. things that need to be improved. paid. Yeah, you paid. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the other sponsors on screen paid. Yeah, that's actually, Jake Concepts, Hot Race, Hearts, Clinic. Imagine, imagine, imagine if you left this up to Ifmar, no one would even see the worlds. Exactly. That's the level they're on right now. Exactly. And and RC Racing TV sent who they could send on their budget. And I remember just sitting up there saying, nobody should do this for free. <laughs> that's all I kept saying to myself. And yeah, but it's, it's like uh, Ifmar is a joke. It's a bad joke at this point, and we need to demand more. Seriously, we're spending all this money. We have champions being. I mean, the president wasn't even there. Shit. The Ifmar no, president wasn't even care. there. They don't care, and they don't. They don't know what they're doing. They do nothing. They don't even yeah. know that they do nothing. You know what? I have to agree with you uh, on that sense uh, because I saw somebody rant about RCGP being mentioned this way and that way. Well, at least Isherwood was there. You know what I mean? The president of IFMAR wasn't there. The interim president. He's busy with the fifth scale worlds this week. So here you are talking to David. There's not bad. I'm just happy for those guys. Good to see. Good to see. Congratulations. Congratulations. Ah, oh, man. So emotional at this point. Yeah, man. So, so emotional. Yeah, man, it was a great event, JQ. Uh, it can be better, though. There needs to be more show. 
Definitely yeah. needs to be some more thought and given into that. And just, I mean, that really comes down to the media side of things, but they have to be given the budget to be able to do that type of stuff as well. Yeah. I would say, you know, so uh, hopefully things change. We'll see. We, they yeah. won't change if we just keep saying it's okay. No, we have to force the change. Yeah. Okay, let's yeah. do it. All these yeah. brands out there complaining year after year, but then when it comes down to it, no one wants to stick together and actually force change because everyone's just so selfishly thinking that oh, if we if we come together and we fix this, then every these other people will uh, benefit. Yeah, they will also benefit, as will you. So stop being so fucking selfish and come together and let's make some positive change. Okay. Yeah. Pissing me off. Here we go. There's the opening ceremonies. This was yeah, cool. There was that. This was cool to see everybody from around the world doing this. Uh, this place also very much like Palm Desert. Look at that mountain up the back there. Well, big, big, big Palm Desert. So this is cool. We have people from all around the world coming together to enjoy RC racing. Yeah. There you go. The pink devil. I was calling him that on the uh, on the stream. The pink devil from Austra- from Argentina. The only guy from Australia. Wait. Uh, yeah, McBride. Kyle McBride was the only guy from Australia. Wow. Not. I wasn't calling Kyle McBride the pink devil. I was calling Nico Bragante the pink devil. Yeah. So. Brazil. Only one guy from Brazil. Rodrigo. I mean Eduardo. In invisible speed. That guy. Yep. Yep. Canada. One guy from Costa Rica. Croatia. Met guys from Paraguay. Didn't even know they were racing in Paraguay now. They were just racing in Brazil. Yeah, guess what? Mayako member and got both cars. Who's that? Oh, never mind. Uh, team team Finland. Arto team, Arto team manager. That's the infamous Arto. I can see why. When yeah, he see, I'm not to... there. I'm, I'm in some other team. Right now. I can see when Arto threatened to punch you, you coward. I didn't coward. He punched me. Okay. Then you punched him. There's Burkhan. He's the guy that beat Cody King up in 2008. <laughs> Team UK. Lee Martin. One guy from Ireland. This is good to see. The Israeli guys. They were nice, a nice yeah. team. Anyway, nice guys. are we done or what? No, we're going to finish this to the end. We're going to finish it off with okay, Team then. Mexico. No, you don't need to. People it's are almost... to this is a podcast and you're watching some dumb video. Yeah, they'll watch no it on cares. video. They'll watch it on, on okay, video. Some people, what about the guys listening? They're like, what's going on? What's he talking about these countries? For? Well, we're going through a video of the opening ceremonies. Yeah. And they can't see it. Let's go. I don't see, have you're so beers. grumpy. I'm hot. Yes. I want to go. You know what, I got because I thought about the potential that RC has <laughs> you... and how we are not nowhere close to fulfilling. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, you got all hot and bothered about that. So, yeah, all good. Can you hear that? Not really. Okay. Anyway, with that said, we're gonna um, end this podcast. Thank you to everybody that I met and uh, came up and shared us some love at this podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, um, also, to all the people that purchased Invisible Speed books, uh, sorry, books and courses that pretty did pretty well. I would say, JQ, when does uh? When does that all kick off, like your world recap and all that stuff? I don't know. Not for a while. Look, <laughs> Jesus, this guy. This, this week, uh, there is, you, you can still get it for uh, 
two years. You, so you pay normally for just the course, but you get access for two years instead of one. So yeah, there's no end. special code. There's no nothing to put in anything like it. that. If just go and buy it. Online course. A lot of people have. I mean, we sold like during the worlds we sold 25 courses. So that was nice and still going. So I want to reach 300. 300. So, all right. Also, with, that would be great. So go check it out. The special still going on for the Invisible Speed uh, product online course as well. Hopefully yeah. soon we'll be getting into the, the actual physical side of that at some point in the new year. Uh, JQ, it was good talking to you. Go enjoy your time in Italy. I suppose you're going over to watch some of the worlds tomorrow. Touring car, if it's not raining, I'll go. And then Sunday, Italian Championships in motocross. And then next week, I'm going to an island off the coast here of Italy. And I'm turning my phone off. And that's it. So I will re-emerge at some point, hopefully. Yeah, he's going to go reset. Uh, with that said, I want to say thank you to everybody that tuned in. Also, shout out to the Georgia State Peach Classic, which is going on this weekend in Georgia. Everybody have fun. Safe travels there. We will see you all back. My next race is RCGP in a month's time. And then I'm also staying for mod. So I'll be doing that. I'll be watching the 10 scale world. JQ, I'm going to let you go. Cause you look aggravated. We started talking about, uh, you know, if you Mar. started talking about if and you get all hot, hot and bothered. Yeah. Can, so can, let you go. can we do something? Can we What's start left before if my president again? Yeah, can we, we can that? start that. We can start. That. I that. think I'm, I think Let's I'm put- ready. Let's put these uh, guys' feet to the fire again. Seriously. Yeah, I it. think so. I'm all for it. I, I sort of, you know, when there was hope of EFRA actually improving and if my, okay, they acknowledge RCGP and like there was some positive movements happening. I thought, okay, let's just chill and, you know, they have this whole development group and plan and all that. And in fucking four years or however long it's been, they made a new logo. That's it. And the president quit recently. You know what? It's back to left before president time. Let's push. <laughs> that no more Mr. Nice Guy like pretending like everything's cool and I'm the new One JQ is you. so chill. You know what? No. The new JQ is not chill. It's the same JQ. And I still <laughs> want RC to be great. I still do. Uh so you know we're what? Push. You made the be- world's banquet great. That's what you did. Yeah, and now we are gonna make the federations great. Yeah, let's okay. do that. That's let's it. do that. All right, JQ. We're going to make some more YouTube videos here. Oh, boy. Here we go. Yes. We're getting yes, threatened sir. with videos. Yep. All right. You know what? With that said, thank you, everybody. Safe travels to wherever you're racing this week. Thank you to everybody that showed us some love at the, the Worlds. If I didn't get to meet you, I'm fortunate. Um, that was unfortunate. I was pretty busy. Thank you to all the NNRC squad around the world. Without you guys, none of this is possible. Also, to the patrons of the podcast, we can't do without you. Shout out to these companies. We have links written in the written description with coupon codes, affiliate links. If you don't, if you don't have one, you don't purchase something to say. I heard about this on the No Name RC podcast. They are invisiblespeed.net. Remember, that's still going on. TZO 200 tires, TNR fuels, high tech RC, beach RC, Mayako, uh, Logs Racing Tires just released a new tire. Papa Willy Traction Tonic, G Spec RC doing some pedal USA, Clinic RC, Racecraft USA, RCGP, House of RC. If you want to see all the blogs, everything that's anything that's worlds, Kanye has got everything on House of RC. I shared that today on my on my uh, Facebook. 
shout out to David Ronafal. Good luck to him and Alex Agner Herberg at the Worlds. I know qualifying isn't going how uh, the Viking wants it. And uh, JQ, I'll see you in a month's time. Yeah, I guess at so. RCGP. And uh, well, we'll probably be talking in between then and now. Anyway, that said, it's your boy Lefty. It's JQ. Nitrous to glory. E-Buggy didn't pay no bills at the Worlds. Oh, ooh. But I did hear there's going to be an E-Buggy Worlds next year. So that's good. Yeah, Marcelos, I heard. Yeah, that's going to be great. And um, I'm, I, I'm definitely looking, looking forward yeah, to that. Track in, track in Portugal that had the Nitro Euros this year would have yep. the first E-Buggy Worlds next year. That'd be good. Get that. Get, get those E-Buggies ready. Let's, we don't want no excuses. E-Buggy is the future, everybody says. So let's go. Uh, with that said, E-Buggy will be paying bills at Barcelos next year. JQ and Lefty, <laughs> vice host. <laughs> I just saw that. Yeah, vice host. All right, JQ. Hey, congratulations to doing well at the at the at the Worlds, dude. The whole if team done well. Second, that's the way to finish second. That is the Catch best way to finish second. Everyone, and then finish. Get second. on that Mayako, man. Car is good. Car is good. With that said, Lefty and JQ were out. Wait, wait. Oh, shucks. We're not I had a. This is still a mystery to me, but I had a professional driver message me saying they want to buy a Mayako. I'm not going to say who, but they did. They are a professional driver and out of the blue messaging me that they want to buy a Mayako. So, okay. That was and, very strange. And guess what? Silly season is about to start. And you know, we love silly season. Yeah. It's going to be hot. It's going to be a hot one. Silly season is going to drop it like it's hot. Lefty, okay. JQ, out. Bye.